Welcome aboard. I'm Brad. I'm Eric. And I'm Scott. Welcome to My Ship Story Podcast. This is a podcast where we invite crew members, both past and present, to tell their stories about life at sea. So come up to the pool bar and grab a drink. Sit back, relax, because it's time for My Ship Ship Story. Story. (laughs) That was terrible. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of My Ship Story Podcast. Guess what, guys? And I'm talking to Scott and Eric, always with me on the podcast, or almost always, unless we have internet issues. I missed one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Eric missed one. Got the guys with me. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. It was a stare. (laughs) It was just right out there. Wait, speaking of numbers, speaking of numbers, guess what episode this is, guys? Is it 99? 99. 99. We have done 99 episodes. That's crazy. And we won't talk too much, but we've got a special 100th episode coming up next. The next show will be our 100th episode, which we will record this later, but this episode is going to air before, before we record that one. It's going to air after we record, after we record it. So anyway, but, um, so, uh, any thoughts on the 99th episode? I don't know. Uh, Today's episode. Yeah. I mean, just 99 in general, Never mind. Let's get to the show. (laughs) Yeah. Just skip along. We would like to introduce to the show a special guest, our first guest from Romania, uh, our first guest from Transylvania. (laughs) So we'd like to welcome to the podcast, Ramona Georgescu. Welcome. Thanks for being on. Hi, Ramona. Hi there. Hello. Hello, Brett, Scott, and Eric, and thank you for your invitation. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. Well, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And our first Romanian crew. Yeah. Yeah. We want to know a little bit about you. So how did you start working on ships? Did you plan on it? Was was it something that just happened accidentally? What? How did it happen? Well, I was a child and I was reading lots of books because I was born in Romania in the communist uh, period of time when we had no TVs, no funds. So we oh, everything that we could do was reading books. So I read so many books. One of the those books was The Pirates of the Caribbean. And it was my dream uh, to visit some uh, interesting islands and to see the world. But I knew I couldn't do that because I was living in Ceausescu's epoch. Amazing uh, times. In uh, 1989, we had the revolution. And after 10 years, finally, we were almost free. We could still not leave the country as we wanted to. But there there was a way get a job and work on a cruise ship. So that's how my adventure started because I was a child and I had a dream mm. uh, to, to travel and to see the world and to see the sea and the ocean. And of course, to make some money, right? Yes, of course. So, uh, I was a teacher back in Romania and uh, I was still not settled. I had a feeling that this is not all, yeah? So as it was a fashion in Romania, I applied for a job on a cruise ship on Carnival. Uh, There were only three positions to be a bar waitress, to be a a housekeeping person or cleaner, or to work as an assistant waitress. So I said, I'm a teacher. I don't know anything but reading (laughs) books and teaching students. What can I do? I said, okay, I can try and be a bar waitress. 
And I did that for five months in my entire life. It was a great experience. It was the first time I was uh, working physically and learning how the job is and uh, finding out that people really work. (laughs) They are not (laughs) only studying. And then I said, this is going to be only one contract. I believe all of us said the same, one contract and that's it. Yeah, I said the same thing, yes. (laughs) And after my first contract, I came back as a purser, then... I hang on, the- hang on. We're getting we're getting too far ahead. We're missing some dazzling details. So, when what year did you join your first ship? Two thousand. Okay, two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah. Two thousand. And um, what ship was it? You said Carnival. Carnival Fantasy. That was like a college uh, ship where they were teaching you what to do, how to do the job, and that was an advantage for me, obviously. <laughs> So, so do you, did you go through an agency there in Romania or did you go directly to the crew, apply directly to the cruise line? It was really tough to apply directly to the cruise, cruise ships. We had no idea how to do that. We had two agencies in Brasov where I live. And I can tell you that I had to wait for one year and nine months from the moment I applied until I Got my interview and until I saw myself on board. That's so a bar uh, yeah. That was a that was that was a long wait. And so when you finally got the call, was it like, hey, we need you to get on a plane and get here right Tomorrow. now? <laughs> or did know, they give you a little head heads up? For me, it was never easy. In my life, I always had two choices. So while I was waiting for carnival, I found out that a different agency was looking for pursers for NCL. So I applied and in about two months, but at the same time with Carnival, I got two letters of employment for each company. So I had to choose to take a decision in one week and I chose Carnival. So what made you choose Carnival over NCL? Just curious. I didn't know anyone who was working on NCL. All Ah, my friends, all my colleagues, my neighbors, they were all on Carnival. But the funny thing is that after 17 years, from that moment in 2017, uh, I got a job on NCL as a trainer. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. So you, you've been on ships for a long time then from 2000. I had a break. Uh, in 2008, I quit Carnival because I couldn't take anymore. Basically, I couldn't stand the complaints anymore. <laughs> I, loved, I loved my job and everything, but it was too much. I was reading like 300 pages of reports every seven days. No, that's not and fun. I said, no, I had to make a, cha- a, cha- a change uh, because I like to do my jobs with pleasure. And to be happy when I do what I'm doing. That's it. No more. I went back in Romania and I stayed there for nine years. I mm-hmm. did some amazing jobs and I studied more. And then in 2017, I came back, this time on Norwegian Cruise Line as a trainer. Mm-hmm. And then everything ended in 2020. Let, let me ask you, what was it like finally coming You know, after the revolution? That's a very good question. And thank you for asking me this. It was... Um, I was 25, still a child, you know, it. I had no life experience. It was the first time I was flying, the first time I was leaving my country, the first time I was without my mother, the first time I was finally going to America. 
<laughs> it was a dream, you know, it was everything was like, wow, excited. The only thing that was very good was that I traveled. For some reason, we were five girls from Romania, all uh, traveling together, all going in the same bar college. And we stayed together for almost the entire contract. And everybody used to call us the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> when we arrived on board especially for me i i will never forget when i stepped into the crew mess and i only saw men not even one woman <laughs> i mean we were the only women on board it was not not quite the only ones but there were not so many girls on board no no you're right back then on all yeah. the cruise lines they were the majority were all men and then the women were only like in some pursers, some entertainment staff, mostly a gift shop, like Salat Spa. But just as a proportion to the amount of men on board, it was very, very small. It's not like today where mm -hmm. there's the, the proportions are, I mean, it's still more men, but there's quite a lot more women on board today. Are you ready to tell us a ship story? I'm ready to tell you several ship stories. Awesome. Okay. okay. Well, let's go into it. My name is Ramona Georgescu. And this is my ship story. I'm thinking about uh, my first month on board, the Carnival Fantasy. I was in the Bar College. It was also probably the one of the first times when I could get off the ship in Miami in 2000, 2000 September. If you remember, during those times, we didn't have any phones. I remember that there were some phones, some booths in front of the ship and a long line you had to wait for about two hours just to phone for five or ten minutes if you were lucky to get a line. But uh, also in Miami, there were lots of phone booths from where you could call. So for some reason, everybody told me, Ramona, let's go to downtown Miami. I said, yes, great, because I didn't have the chance to get off the ship. Plus, I would like to call my mother. My mother was my priority <laughs> uh, to let her know, of course, that I'm... Okay, but something happened in uh, downtown Miami. I remained by myself because all my colleagues disappeared. They were either looking for a, a, a booth to, to call or I don't know exactly what they were doing. They were all busy. So I didn't pay attention and I got lost. I uh, found finally a phone. I called my mother. Then I finally looked at the time. And you know how it is. You have to be back on board on time. <laughs> Yes. And it was pretty late. And I had no idea uh, how I was supposed to go back on board because I really got lost. So I looked all, all around. All the buildings were all the same. I mean, at least for me. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy to get lost. You know, you have numbers, but I had no idea. Remember, I was coming from Romania. Everything was totally, completely different. I forgot to pay attention at the buildings around me. So the time was ticking <laughs> and I was trying to find out. Uh, I asked the people uh, for information, but nobody was speaking English. They <laughs> were all telling me, habla espanol. I said, no. Yeah, your first time to the United States and everybody speaks Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and I was like, could you please tell me, I mean, in this polite English, you could you please tell me where is the shuttle bus, where is this shuttle station, whatever. They were not speaking English at all. No habla English. 
only Espanol, Espanol, Espanol. Plus I was looking Spanish, but I was not speaking any Spanish. Uh, and finally, you know, when you see, oh my God, half an hour and that's it. The ship is going to leave without me. What is going to happen to me? I had no idea. And though during those times, nobody was telling you, we have a ship's agent or we have a phone call for emergencies or whatever, nothing like that. So finally... Uh, guess what? I didn't even see any taxis. I'm sure they w- there were lots of taxis around, but I didn't see them. What I saw was a police car. <laughs> and I said, he's going to save me. So I'm going to this policeman and I'm telling him, look, I'm Ramona from Romania and I work on a ship. Could you please take me to the shuttle station or tell me where is this shuttle station? <laughs> he's, he's like, what is a shuttle? <laughs> is he like, habla espanol? Uh, I tried to explain to him, look, if I'm not back on time, I will be on trouble. I have to sleep here somewhere in Miami. (laughs) Plus, I will probably have to go back to Romania. And I said, you have to save me and take me to the port. And he was like, I cannot leave my area because this is my area. I said, yes, but this not too far away from here for sure. And he's like, let me see what I can do for you. And he phoned his police station and he said, look, I have this situation. I have to take this girl (laughs) somewhere to a a terminal. Tell me where it is. He didn't know how to get there. Really? He didn't know. Anyway, he found out how to get there. Uh, which terminal was Carnival. I arrived on time. Once I stepped on board in like five or 10 minutes after I arrived, plus the entire night and then the week after, the entire ship asked me, what happened to you? We saw that the police brought you. (laughs) What did you do? (laughs) So you managed to convince a police officer to give you a ride to the ship. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) And that was not everything. He gave me his card and he said, next time when you come back, Let's have dinner together. And I <laughs> wow. Wow. You got a date out of it too. And you guys are now happily married. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Uh, <laughs> he was married. Oh, wow. oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> like working on the ship. No, I was going to yeah. say, did he work on the ship? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, wow. That's so awesome. That's, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I can't. I can't believe that a Miami police officer didn't know how to get to the port. It's only probably the biggest tourist thing in Miami, other than South Beach. But yeah, that is pretty weird. If that wasn't his, if his, I mean, because even if you're downtown, you can see the ships from downtown. I mean, yeah, you couldn't have gone that far, right? You were pretty close. I was far, really. Oh, I was you? like many blocks away from. I was actually walking in the many in the blocks. opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> it was far away. So I bet the uh, the the next few times you got off, you only went to like Flagler Street or or Bayside. I knew everything after that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like and you uh, had your I card for a for a free ride back to the ship. Hey, before before we get into another story, I want to take you back for just a minute. What is Bar College? So were you were you in Miami for a while, and they taught you things about you know how to be a bar waitress? Did you go through like a training? During those times, Carnival was the only company that was providing this kind of, uh, it was actually called a college for the restaurant department and for the purser's department. They had a three or four week college on board. Fantasy was this uh, training. It's like ship. a training ship, right? Oh, yeah. yes. okay. It didn't last for too long. And at this time, I remember this time because I was a little surprised in 
uh, like 99 uh, when I went to Renaissance or it's 98, 98, almost all of the bar waitresses and a lot of, and at that time they were bringing on assistant waiters, Romania and Bulgaria, vast majority. That's where they were coming from. So people were eager for jobs and probably were cheap. <laughs> at that time. I, I can tell you how much was my salary, both in Romania and on board. Well, actually, as a teacher in between 1997 and 2000, I was making like $100 per month. Wow. And I remember some of my guests were asking me, how could you live with $100 per month? Well, I said, look, I was living with my mother. I was uh, having some private classes and everything was very cheap during those times. So that's why we could leave. And on board, I got hired with $45 per month and 15% gratuity, everything that I was selling. In a way, you had to make your own money. Yeah, and yeah, was the money American money system. for you really good? Yes, yes, of course, it was very good. But during those times, you know, uh, there were no beverage packages or things like that. Guests were purchasing all the drinks on board. Most of them being Americans, they were basically... Drinking a I lot. Mean, they were giving you tips a lot. Uh -huh. <laughs> Actually, I learned how to have my own clients because they, was, they were looking for me. Mm -hmm. I was mainly working dining room with another venue. In the dining room, it was a little bit different. You know, you had the time to know your guests, to talk to them, to find out things about them. I knew everything that they were drinking and they were so surprised, you know, because I was showing up after the first evening and I knew what everything everyone was drinking because I had a section. After that, they were looking for me. That I wish so much that they would go back to that. I know they won't because it's a money thing and they want to do the wristbands and all that kind of stuff. But the, the service, the bar staff knowing what you drink and who you are and sees you on the pool deck and the main show lounge and the entertainment lounge and in the dining room. Like you said, you knew what they drank. People these days don't know how nice that was. Yeah. And I mean, we we didn't uh, learn this in the college. It was just a connection, you know. They were on vacation yeah. and were in this entertainment industry. I remember that I went on a cruise as a guest after I stopped working on board on the on the Viking Serenade for like a little weekend trip. And one of the bar waiters on that ship remembered what I used to drink as a crew member years before. And he said, oh, Mr. Eric, you want an Amstel Light, right? And I was like, how do you remember what, <laughs> like years, because it had been years, like later, what I used to drink, but he still remembered. And I was like, like shocked. I couldn't believe it. it was yeah. And I bet he was tipped pretty well. Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, gosh, it was, it's, it was so nice back in the day when you, when we'd go up, we'd finish work, we'd go up to the pool bar and sit down and they would just drinks would just appear. We, yeah. we, we, yeah. we wouldn't have to do anything. It was, it was so nice. So nice. But uh, anyway, uh, Ramona, you got another story for us. I wanted to pursue with my other dream being a purser now, because I was wondering what I'm doing here. <laughs> okay. It was a very good experience. I learned something. I worked like crazy 16 to 18 hours every day for five months and two weeks. I mean, many times we were waiting, you know, for our assistant bar manager to come and check our bar because we had to clean it. We had that special cleaning before each American port. And many times our assistant bar, ma bar manager uh, was sleeping in a pantry and forgot to come and check our bar. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> we used to go to sleep like around three o'clock in the morning. And then at six, after three or four hours, we had to be up and go and work wherever because it was no MLC, no fun time, no nothing during those times. So we were working like crazy. I remember that I was going to bed every night and I was praying to God, please give me for one more day. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was crazy. I mean, even now when I, now with the, and I thank you for this because you made me go back in time. I forgot about all these things. Yeah, the, anyway. more, the more we talk, the more memories come flooding yeah. back of that, those times working at sea. Yes, definitely. I mean, I don't remember how long I slept <laughs> during that contract. Because... You know, it's funny, like, you know, you say that, like, you know, people can't do that in normal life on land, like now, like they, you know, that, oh, I got to have my eight hours, I got to have my 10 hours yeah. of sleep or whatever. And whatever walk of life, like whether you're in the weight, Chinese laundry, bar, per, you know, what we drank until three, four, five o'clock in the morning and had to be up at like seven or eight o'clock in mm -hmm. the morning to, for us to do you know, tender towels and whatever for our position, but you did that because you had to do that and you got used to that. And then you just got used to like three or four hours of sleep at night for six months at a time. And then, you know, swept, slept for two weeks when you got home, but anybody's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, you never sleep. Like I still don't go to bed until <laughs> three o'clock in the morning. My deal when I worked at ship is like, as long as I could get four hours sleep, I was, I was okay. I needed four. So as long as I got that, I was okay through most of the day. So Ramona, you're thinking that bar waitress is uh, maybe a little much and you're fixing <laughs> to try uh, the purser's department. To you know, me place. and Eric were pursers. Yeah. I think uh, you, you had the, the previous yeah. show was about that. <laughs> yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Imagine I had the I had an interview with three hotel directors, two food and beverage managers. I convinced them that that is my place. I didn't know too many things about this information desk. It was a written information desk. All the girls were pretty. They were always smiling. I said, this must be a fun department. That's exactly <laughs> what I was looking for. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> they were nice enough and they told me, please go and spend some, some time over there. See exactly if that's for you. So I spent some time there, but only when they were selling tours and shore excursions, not when they had the complaints. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they approved my, I, I could change my department. And this was amazing because everybody told me, no, you cannot do that. Don't even think about that. I said, yes, but I have to try. If not, I have to change something. This is what I want. I moved there. It was again, the college. It was really nice. The second contract I was, uh, I went to a ship that was called Destiny. You never give a name. You never name a ship Destiny. <laughs> Everything that you can imagine happened over there. <laughs> Apart from the thing that we had ghosts on board and we had blackouts and we had lots of people who committed suicide. Plus what? The, it was happening. So I'm going to tell you something about someone who committed uh, suicide. Plus every time I had to make the announcements and then when I was making the announcement especially for those medical the medical teams the person was dying for sure so i said please don't ask me to make announcements anymore i don't want to do this <laughs> oh my god wow that sounds like a very eventful ship it was, they changed the name i have no idea what the name is <laughs> they have it <laughs> but destiny, beautiful name, but still don't give it to a ship. Apart from the thing that we never knew how many non-US 
citizens we had on board because I had to take care of the passports. I never knew how many they were. Uh, and there was no... What? Uh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so you didn't know how many non-US were coming or how you never knew exactly how many non-US we you actually got on board? Yes, we never knew how many we had on board. How is that possible? <laughs> I know. I'm thinking again. We used to do the same job, and I'm like, how how could you not know? Because I don't know. Someone was happening every time in San Juan. The computers were not working. The system was down. Anyway, something was happening. I cannot tell you, but it was always the same. So I had to chase them. Sometimes I was chasing them until 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. I don't remember exactly what kind of reports I was running. That's how I could understand that something was wrong there. They didn't have the entire information. I had to check the passport, ARC cards and things like that. And then I was calling immigration. And I said, look, I have this passport. It's expired. This visa is expired. And then the immigration officer was saying, do whatever you want. I said, oh, I can do whatever I want, but the next time we come back, you will do whatever you have to do with us, like a fee of a few thousand dollars. So I said, I will not do this. I I used to tell them, I'm from Romania. I am not an immigration officer. (laughs) So please give me your name. Give me your everything. So I make sure that this person is okay to stay on board. But anyway, this is not a story that I wanted to tell you about. (laughs) (laughs) But this is what happens. We get sidetracked very easily. So, okay, go go back to your, your story. The phone is calling and I have to make an announcement in whatever room. The medical team has to go there immediately. What they found over there. One of our guests committed suicide in the bathroom. I don't know how he committed suicide in the bathroom. I didn't see him. But anyway, he died in the bathroom. And then, of course, in one of our ports of call, he had to disembark. He disembarked with his uh, family. He was part of a group. So immediately after he disembarked, one of his friends, a person, a family from his group came to the front office. They told me, look, we are part of this group. We are friends of Mr. I don't remember his name, who died. He was disembarked today and we would like to have his room. No. Oh, oh my God. No. <laughs> that is awful. Is this possible? And I'm looking at them and I, I'm asking them, why would you like his to have his room? Is there something wrong with your room? Is there something that we could do for you? You know, we are in an inside cabin and we don't feel very comfortable here. But of course, we like it. And we know that he was in a balcony cabin and we would like to continue (laughs) our cruise in his cabin because he's our friend. Unbelievable. Why not? (laughs) I, wow. The things that people will ask for, I mean. But it's an open cabin. It's a free cabin. And it's got a balcony. Whoa, yeah. that's heavy. Okay, so did you give him the cabin? You know, I didn't say anything, no judgment. Yeah. I told them that the, that uh, cabin is completely locked and secured because we are waiting for the police to come Investigation. on board. Right, yeah. right. We need to know what happened there. And we would be more than happy to offer them a nice cabin with a balcony, but the ship is completely full. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, I have a happy one from 2017. So I I came back on board on a different company after nine years. And uh, I can tell you that the moment I came back, you know, all the ships have a particular smell. I don't know. It was something that it was so familiar. And it was like I never left the ship in those nine years. It was like I have just 
come back from a vacation. Yeah. Everything was the same. But what I wanted to tell you, so basically I was again an officer and I was surprised that I got a cabin on deck number two. It was one deck below the sea level. Basically, I knew that there was something wrong. I was not supposed to be there. But anyway, after 12 o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock, all the crew coming, returning from the crew bar, were passing uh, through that particular area and I had to wake up every night. So I could not sleep for like six months after one o'clock because, you all know, the noise. you know, they were all young, uh, happy and so on, doing illegal things and stuff like that. There were no cameras. <laughs> nobody knew what was happening over there. So one night I stayed and I said, I want to know who is disturbing me every night. Of course, every night there were other people. But this time I said, I'm going to stay here and I will not go to bed. So I hear the noises, all the steps, people jumping all over the place, screaming, shouting, happy. And I opened the door and I saw maybe four or five uh, guys from Philippines with uh, lo lots of beers plenty of beers. They were going down the stairs. And I arrived there at the cabin, uh, a party in the cabin. And of course, I was sleeping. I, I was also in pajamas. I couldn't see very well. But then I suddenly saw a guy with red lipstick and a t-shirt and some high heels. He didn't, I don't think he had anything under his t-shirt. <laughs> they knew that I was the training specialist. And I'm like, they knew that they were doing something illegal because they could not carry all those drinks with them. And they told me, ma'am, we are really sorry. We are just rehearsing for, for the guest talent show. Yes, th this is what, what we are doing right now. We, we are very sorry about everything. I got even more scared than they were. So I went back to my cabin. <laughs> and I closed the door. I locked the door and everything. And then the next morning, I was in my office. And I see this guy with the red lipstick and the high heel. Uh, he came to my office. He was a utility, a, a how, a personal, a cleaner. And he knocked at my door. Of course, he had his red lipstick on. <laughs> <laughs> and he came and he told me, I'm the one that you saw last night. I would like to apologize. I was really rehearsing for the guest talent show. The only thing that I would like from you is to be quiet in the night. And if you see other people that are noisy or loud just tell them look there is a crazy woman living here next door <laughs> and she just wants to sleep nothing else. what were they doing like a drag show i don't know what they they were having a party nothing else but so now that they become quiet after that and you could sleep um, no no <laughs> it didn't work maybe they became quiet but there were many others who yeah were continuing who yeah. were still loud what was it that made you go back? Because, you know, lots of people, or at least I did. I, I mean, I got off land and, or I got on land and I was like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back to ships. This is it. But still I, it crossed my mind every now and then, you know what, it would be so easy just to go and pick up a contract and get the hell out of here. So what, what, finally did it for you what made you go back when i resigned in 20 in 2008 i said i will never ever go back on board and i didn't i said i don't want to travel so much anymore i don't want to have my life in two pieces of luggage anymore i got some amazing jobs then i continued my studies i had a post-university course then i went to an mba then i worked for some european 
projects in human resources and it was really dynamic and I was still traveling until 2016 when somehow everything stopped. At the same time, I was building a house with my husband and the house was ready. We moved in, but we still had to finish lots of things, you know, like the fence. <laughs> anyway, I never thought about uh, going back on board. Life is a surprise, you know, life is an experience. While I was checking my inbox at my job, there was an email saying training specialist, and I thought it was a spam. Then I recognized a company that was sending people on cruise ships. And I said, okay, so probably one of my colleagues uh, enrolled herself to receive newsletters or things like that. So I opened the email and I saw this position training specialist. And it was exactly what I was planning to continue to do because the, these European projects were done. The house was ready. Let me send my CV just to see what happens. Through week, there is a gentleman calling me and he was my ex-colleague. And he's asking me, he's like, you know, it's me. Do you remember me? I work here now. Uh, so I saw that you sent your CV. What What is going on? Are you planning to go back on board? <laughs> and, you know, I said, yes. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, of course. But he said, why? I said, why not? Look at this job. I said, I want to try this. It's an experience. I had an interview in two weeks. And in four months, I was on board. The last one who found out was my husband. No, actually, my <laughs> boss. <laughs> As he comes in from work, what are you packing for? Yeah. <laughs> I said, look, we have to finish the fence. This is a great opportunity. We can finish the fence just like that. And I only need one contract. Or I'll go and you finish it while I'm on the ship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, I mean, we've had most of the people that we've had that worked on board, you know, not a lot of the people that we've interviewed had had families at home or, you know, married that come and join. Most of us, you know, we did it when we were young, just like when you yes. first started. So how was life on board and how was working this second time around different from the first time that now that you have a husband, you have a family back home and then you're away and you're coming back. Mm -hmm. So you did this for a few years. It wasn't just one, one trip to make the fence, right? Yes. <laughs> you, you went back. So can you talk a little bit about how that was different and how was life on board, how it was different from the first time? I was different. I was married this time, 20 years older than before, you know, I had a different position where I had to be more like a role model for my colleagues. It was like a maturity job, first of all, for me. NCL had many rules and regulations, and I was the one who was transmitting this information to all my colleagues, basically. So I had to be like a role model for all of them. And not only that, but it was a different, a different period of life, everything that I could see now, what I really wanted this time is knowing people, knowing everyone from the cleaner, from the garbage man to the captain, uh, being there for these people, uh, helping them survive because they were also working many hours, long hours. They all had their issues, plus lots of restrictions. So this, it wasn't as crazy. It wasn't as crazy as before. And as everybody getting drunk and like everybody, you know, really parting it up. This was more subdued. It was more calm. Any plans to maybe go back? I've thought about this in these conditions to be on board for six months and to, to have on board a COVID 
uh, alert and to be stuck in a cabin that is five square meters, it's not for me. I would go back only as a guest. I really admire and I support from all my heart all the crew members who are back there. It's not easy. All of them know exactly what they signed up for and did you uh, finish the fence you know what it's amazing when covid started (laughs) that was the time that was the contract when my husband finished the fence Uh (laughs) we we had the gate but this summer he finished with the gate as well so we are laughing he said now that's it you are staying here (laughs) <laughs> now you're fenced in you're fenced. yeah 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 your opportunity is done yeah let me yeah. let me ask why you were on the ship and you were in uh, doing the the bar bar staff um did you because bar staff is it's such long hours and you have to be there all the time did you get much time in the ports to play i had a lot of time to get off the ship but as i said i was not sleeping too much because right. so you work in the morning depends how you are working Basically, you can work till three o'clock in the night, but then you can have three, four. I used to have three, four hours off. Uh, where would you say is your favorite island or favorite port? Ar- Aruba. Aruba. Okay. Aruba's nice. Well, is there uh, is there anything you want to leave us with before we wrap it up? So I would like to thank you for inviting me, and I hope that you will continue this project. Of course, we have bad memories as well, but we keep the good ones at the end of everything. Uh, plus, not many people in this world know what exactly is happening below deck (laughs) it was great knowing you and i hope we'll keep in touch and if you ever think about coming to romania brashov transylvania let me know we know who to call yeah yeah (laughs) let me ask you real quick so what do you do now i'm basically back to teaching i have a facebook page where i write my experiences from ncl it is called the journal the board slash ships diary uh and i tell some of my stories over there. In the next two, three weeks, I will have my site ready and I would like to continue to provide trainings for the hospitality industry, this time here in Romania. And I'm a coach as well. Yeah, coach? <laughs> a coach. coach. I would say a happiness and motivational coach. I I'm need one of those. Be- <laughs> I'm just in the beginning now. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, you have to share your link to your to your, uh, sharing your experiences and stuff on, the, on our Facebook page. Uh, for everybody that uh, didn't know, and I'll see how I can edit this together. Um, but uh, Ramona is, uh, she lives very close about, what would you say, 10 minutes from Dracula's castle? 30 minutes away. 30, 30 minutes from Dracula's castle in Transylvania. I think that's the coolest thing. Let me ask just <laughs> one thing, because I think that is just the coolest thing ever. Does any weird stuff happen about Dracula castle? Have you been there? Is it haunted? <laughs> no. I've been there many times. It's um, The only thing is that uh, it changed a lot since... I don't know, a relative of Queen Mary took the castle back. I don't know, something happened there. The castle was inherited by someone, but first it was uh, under the government. So now it's not as beautiful inside as it used to be. The furniture was just amazing. What is really nice is that it, it seems that the castle is built for small people. I'm very short, like 5.2. So it's like so tiny and has some secret corridors. And then uh, the view is amazing and you can see some beautiful mountains. And then you can imagine whatever you want if there are not too many people there. Uh, Plus, there were some very nice parties during this Halloween celebration. I can only Uh, imagine. 
and there were lots of people coming from the country and also from abroad. But uh, plus, uh, that area is known for its cheese. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, and Dracula never lived there. It's just a story. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, no. So just so you know, Ramona, Scott loves, loves, loves Halloween. Yes. That is his like favorite holiday. He goes crazy for Halloween. So that's why he's so interested in the, the yes. Transylvanian Ma- Dracula ah, stories. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Come and visit. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ramona. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank yes, you. Yes, it's Thanks a so pleasure much. meeting you. Bye. Bye. You too. Take care. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, she was a pleasure. <laughs> that I, was awesome. yeah. I knew she was going to be super nice. Hey, everyone. The ship is about to set sail, which brings us to an end for today. We hope that you enjoy the podcast. For bonus audio, and if you would like to see this podcast and video, please visit our YouTube channel, my ship story you can also find us on facebook and instagram as my ship story don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member and if you have a story that you would like to tell or if you like you can email us your story for us to read on the air email us at my ship story podcast at yahoo.com that's my ship story podcast at yahoo.com goodbye for now and be sure to tune in next week same time as we'll have a new podcast every monday bon voyage